You're listening to Simply the Best Sports Take, the best podcast breaking down the best stuff in sports with host Sean Bingham. His takes are so good, he dropped the mic, but then you wouldn't be able to hear him, and that would suck. Welcome into STB Sports Take, Simply the Best Sports Podcast. I am your host, Sean Bingham, and we have a fine show lined up for you today. We are on YouTube, we are on Spotify, we are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe. Please share. We are growing this baby, and it is. A, I'm having a lot of fun. In fact, I had a guy. So I have a TikTok account uh, for the show, STB Sports Take. I don't. You're not going to find me dancing on TikTok, but um, at least not yet. But uh, I have a TikTok account for the show, STB Sports Take on TikTok, and I had a guy comment. I've got like 17 followers. You know, it's brand new, and uh, I just post little clips, you know, from the show there. But uh, also on Instagram, follow on Instagram at STB Sports Take. That one I actually had grown pretty solidly years ago. Let it kind of die. Uh, over two years when I didn't post, and now I'm trying to kind of resurrect it. So if you could go and find us on Instagram, at STB Sports Take on Instagram, go like a bunch of pictures, follow, maybe comment on a couple pictures, something to kind of like engage with the account because I want Instagram to see that it's like, hey, like this is interesting again because I definitely didn't use it for two years and Instagram has, has punished me as a result. But anyway, on TikTok, I had a guy comment on one of the videos and he said, hey, I'm just here before this guy becomes one of the top podcasters in the world. And it like got me so stoked, made my day. Another uh, guy is actually a friend of mine, Trace. Hope you're listening again today, buddy. But uh, he told me the other day that he listens religiously to the podcast that like made my night. So thank you, Trace. But thank you to all of you guys listening. Again, a great show lined up today. Uh, I've got one of my good friends, Jimmy Rex, that's going to be joining us. Uh, this guy has stories for days. He's very intelligent with sports, among other things, just a very interesting character. I'm going to have him come on and chat with us for, for quite a while. Um, we're also going to be talking a lot of Utah Jazz, uh, Deshaun Watson stuff. Um, the, the, the situation with him just keeps getting worse, but we're going to start and dive in immediately to the Utah Jazz. Uh, they won last night, got back on track, beat the Chicago Bulls. But the thing that was interesting to me is this. Rudy Gobert had nine blocked shots. Okay, nine. It's like... The guy saw that the NBA, you know, defensive player of the year ladder had him consistently behind Ben Simmons, and he has been on an absolute tear ever since. Nine blocked shots last night was one shot shot, one block shot shy of a triple double. He had 21 points, 10 rebounds, nine blocks. He actually had a 10th block shot, um, but he, he tipped it and it ended up still going in, and so it doesn't count as a block shot, of course. Um, so he just shall, just falls one block shot shy of the triple-double. Very difficult to say. One block shot shy of the triple-double. Um, but uh, Ben Simmons, last night, yesterday sometime, had this to say. I'll put it up on the screen for those on YouTube, those listening. It's a quick quote. But there's obviously this rivalry going on, right, between the Sixers and the Jazz. I've talked about this quite a bit. Um, there was the Donovan Mitchell-Ben uh, Simmons rivalry with Ben Simmons' fake Rookie of the Year award the one that should have gone to Donovan Mitchell. And then uh, obviously the Joel Embiid and, and Rudy Gobert, you know, for top big man. They have different games. Obviously offensively, Joel Embiid blows Rudy out of the water. Defensively, Rudy, I would say, is quite a bit ahead of Joel Embiid. But now there's a little bit of a rivalry with Ben Simmons and Rudy Gobert for Defensive Player of the Year. So Ben Simmons says, no disrespect to Rudy at all. He is a great shot blocker, defender, but he's not guarding one through five. He is guarding fives and probably big fours. 
you can't tell him to go guard Kawhi or Paul George or guard a point guard. He's not going to do, he's not doing that on a daily basis. And that was his response as to why he deserves the defensive player of the year award. So then Rudy replies with this. Both of them, I think both of them are right by the way. I don't think that Ben said anything you know untruthful there. Uh, Rudy does guard just fives and big fours, and Ben can guard a, a wider variety. He can't guard fives uh, near as well, but uh, but he is big. Uh, anyway, so then Rudy replies with this. He says, to me, it's about impact. Oh, what has Sean been saying on this on this podcast? It's about impact. It's about how you impact. It's about how much impact you can have on the court and how much impact we can have on our teammates um, or how much impact you can have on your teammates. It's not about being cute. It's not about looking good. It's not about narratives. It's not about having a big name. It's about coming out every single night, trying to grind defensively and have that impact on the game. They're both right. And to me, the impact that you have is clearly more important. Like, sure, Ben, you can guard a wider variety of players, but that doesn't mean you're impacting the game more. And the defensive player of the year, to me, should go to the player who impacts the game most defensively, who has the biggest defensive impact on games, on the outcomes of games. And that is clearly, clearly, clearly Rudy Gobert. So I wanted to get that out there. Kind of a, another budding rivalry between these two. And again, they're both right. But Ben didn't really actually have a good reason as to why he should be defensive player of the year other than, oh, well, I can guard a wider variety of people. Well, big deal. The game is impacted a lot more by Rudy. We've gone over that with the shot, uh, the field goal percentage differential. Rudy's is among the very tops in the league. He's not just blocking a lot of shots. He's altering shots all over. He's keeping guys from even trying to get into the lane. Um, anyway, so, okay. So Jazz win. Another thing that happened, Joe Ingles goes off, hits a bunch of threes, five for six from three-point uh, range. He's now 73% over his last four games from three, and that's in 30 attempts. He's 22 of 30. So I had a buddy um, ask me about a week ago, a little over a week ago. He said he texted me. He said, hey, who's the better Joe, Joe Harris or Joe Ingles? And I thought that was a good question. I had to be honest with him. I said that Joe Harris was. But I also replied and said, look, Joe Harris has a lot uh, better talent around him to spread the floor and open it up for him because he does. I mean, obviously Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, those those three players all are better than anyone that the Jazz has. No offense to Donovan, but those three are better than than anyone on the Jazz. So Joe Harris is the he's in the world's greatest position to be a fourth option, you know, to those three guys because you're never taking on a double team. You're frequently left open. So Joe Harris was leading the league in three point shooting. Well, he's not anymore. Uh, he's third. Uh, Joe, Joe Ingles is second, but he's actually first among players with at least 100 attempts. And then Joe Harris is second among those with 100 attempts. Tony Snell is first, but he only has like 73 or something attempts on the season. So we're going to disqualify him. Joe Harris, or excuse me, Joe Ingles, number one, Joe Harris, number two. And it flipped since that text was exchanged. So I don't know if, if Joe Ingles caught word of it, <laughs> but since that text, the Jazz have played four games, and Joe, Joe Ingles went four for eight, eight for ten. That was against the Wizards, the one game that they lost out of those four. Then five for six, five for six. So that's 73% uh, in the last four games, 22 of 30 ever since I sent that text. So, Dave, if you're listening, 
As of right now, I might have to flip my answer and say that Joe Ingles is currently playing better. I do think Joe Harris overall is probably the the, the better player you know right now. But uh, Joe Ingles is playing out of his out of his mind. I really liked what I saw last night, getting the Jazz back on track a little bit. Uh, they play the Nets tomorrow, and they will actually be the Nets will be without Kyrie and without Kevin Durant. So if the Jazz can't win that game, that's going to spell trouble because this game is in Salt Lake City. And their two best, two of their three best players are not playing. James Harden will be playing. Joe Harris will be playing. And so the Battle of the Joes will happen tomorrow. So one last thing in the NBA before we introduce Jimmy. <clears throat> so I introduced my power rankings yesterday, my NBA power rankings. And I did not have the Lakers in the top 10. And some people were just freaking out. That does not mean I also dropped the Heat out of the top 10. That does not mean that I don't think the Lakers are one of the 10 best teams in the NBA or have one of the 10 best chances to win the NBA Finals. That doesn't mean that at all. It means right now, they are not one of the 10 best teams in the NBA. They actually suck right now. Without Anthony Davis and without LeBron James for the next couple weeks, they will absolutely have a losing record by a long shot. And they've already been trending downward as Anthony Davis has been out for a month now. And so, yeah, I don't think the Lakers are one of the top 10 teams in the NBA. That being said... I think they're taking all the precaution necessary to make sure that LeBron James and Anthony Davis come back fully healthy for the playoffs, and they'll still be the favorites in the West. Um, now, if they end up as like an eight seed, that could be a, that could be a problem. But if they end up like a five seed or something like that, then I'm still taking the Lakers at full strength as my number one option to win the West and go and face the Brooklyn Nets in the NBA Finals. So that's how the power rankings work. It's what have you done for me overall, and a special emphasis on what have you done for me lately, and what direction are you headed currently. And the Lakers have done a lot of good things overall, but what have you done for me lately? They've sucked. What are, which direction are you headed right now is even suckier. So that's why they were dropped from the top 10. With that, we are going to transition now into my good friend Jimmy Rex. All right, we'd like to welcome in Jimmy Rex, one of my very closest friends, and he is a real estate expert, a investing guru, a sports aficionado or whatever the word is. But Jimmy Jimmy has some of the best sports stories you've ever heard. He follows all of the teams that I follow. He follows sports. So Jimmy, welcome to the show. Hey, good to be here, Sean. Back on the Simply the Best Sports Take podcast. Yes, yes. And Jimmy actually has a podcast of his own that is extremely interesting. You can find it on all the podcasting uh, platforms and YouTube, The Jimmy Rex Show. He interviews... It's kind of similar, and Jimmy, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's kind of similar almost to like the Joe Rogan experience where you're interviewing just a whole myriad of people that are very interesting. Yeah, I tried to kind of mix, you know, Joe Rogan and Tim Ferriss. I interview exceptional people living extraordinary lives, so it's experts in every field. Like, it's somebody you've probably never heard of, but it'd be like the world's foremost expert on sharks or something like that a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and then I interview a lot of influencers and athletes and people like that as well. So it's been fun. I've had a lot of the jazz players on and BYU Utah players and um, a bunch of NFL people, stuff like that. So it has a lot of sports ties every about 10th episode or so. Awesome. Yeah. So check it out. The Jimmy Rex show. Uh, you can also find him on Instagram. He's this guy gets more done with 24 hours than anyone I've ever met in my life. So he's worth the follow. Um, Jimmy Rex, Mr. Jimmy Rex actually on Instagram, but Jimmy, you just mentioned, you know, you're friends with some of the jazz players. You've had them on your podcast. I want to start with that. That's obviously a hot topic right now. The jazz are in first place in the NBA. They have the best record. They've won the most games against 500 plus teams. They have the best point differential. Are they legit though? Are they real contenders? Oh, the hundred percent. They're real contenders. And one of the fun parts about this team 
is they just keep coming at you from every angle. You have to have a guy on your team that can kind of take over a game or pick you up when you're when something's going wrong. We watched the you know BYU uh, UCLA game the other day, and I was watching them. Um, just as an example. And I was like, there's not a guy on BYU's team that was going to step up when BYU fell behind by eight or 10. I couldn't see that guy on the floor. I, I was like, we're dead. There's no chance we're coming back. But then you watch other teams that fall behind in the tournament and you, they have that guy. There was a guy for uh, LSU the other day, Thomas or whatever. And he's one of the top players. And I was like, Oh dude, this guy's going to single-handedly keep them in this game. And with the jazz in years past, you had, you know, we saw it last year in the playoffs a little bit. Donovan was taking over and trying to carry the team on his back, but he would get tired or whatever else happened. And it just wasn't enough. Well, the team now, I mean, you look any given night, you know, uh, Bogdanovich can step up. Um, Ingles will have some crazy game. Uh, you've got, you know, Mike Connolly was, is the best he's ever played him. And he's an all-star this year. And then Rudy did what he does. And it's just funny. Like I love the Rudy hate, but the dude changes the game for, they hate him because they can't play their game against him. Like every time you go in to play that guy, you're like, I freaking hate playing against this guy. I don't get to do my thing. And that's why everybody hates him. But that destruction that he does, like once a playoff series, he's going to take over a game defensively and win the jazz a game. And so I absolutely, especially this year where, you know, LeBron's got the high ankle sprain. Davis is dealing with his injuries. There's no one else in the West that scares me. In the East, there's a couple teams that are pretty good. And But honestly, in a seven-game series, you're talking about a coin flip. And that's, I think, all you can ask for as a fan. I remember like year, the last five or six, even 10 years, you're like, yeah, we didn't really have a chance to win the whole thing. Like when the Jazz are playing the Rockets, you're like, well, you know we're not getting past the Rockets. And it's just annoying. You're like, these stupid guys. <laughs> and then, you know, last year with the Nuggets – it was like, I wasn't that devastated because it's like, okay, if we get past them, there's no way we're beating the Lakers anyway. But this year, I mean, they legitimately have seven or eight guys that can step up and win a game. And, and uh, yeah, I absolutely think the jazz are contenders. And I haven't thought that since Stockton and Malone, if I'm being honest. Really? So even in the Darren Williams, Carlos Boozer years, we made the Western conference finals once you didn't see it. Dude. Uh, let's be honest, man. The Spurs teams, we knew this and the Spurs kind of, there's always been these teams that had our number, right? Like it was Kobe for a while. Kobe beat us out of the playoffs every single year. Um, it was the Spurs. Like every time we ran into them and they just were so damn boring to watch too. I hated those guys so bad is, but they owned us. I think they swept us every year. We met them in the yeah. playoffs. Um, but now you don't feel that right now. Like even people are like, well, the LeBron and the Lakers, but it's like, we've always actually played very well against LeBron. The jazz beat LeBron a lot more than he beats the jazz. And so I've never kind of been afraid of them. I'm not afraid of the Clippers and Kawhi. Um, uh, yeah, I don't know, dude. I think the jazz have as good a shot as anybody. Now I will say it's pretty up in the air. Like if you were in a seven game series against Portland right now, could Portland win that series? Of course. Like it's probably a 55, 45. So all these, you know, different teams that have a good chance of winning. I think there's a lot of great teams. The Nuggets obviously being one of them from last year. I, I was unaware of how good those guys were until I watched that series last year. I'm like, oh, wow, these guys, you know, Jock, uh, Jokic or whatever. Uh, yeah, that dude's yeah. the real deal, Murray and everybody else. But, but the Jazz absolutely have a chance. It's wide open and it's going to be a fun playoffs. I'll probably even go to a couple of games. Yeah, in fact, uh, so funny story just about when I mentioned the Carlos Boozer thing and then talking about going to playoff games, Jimmy and I went and sat essentially courtside. We thought we were courtside. We actually ended up being on the second row because the way the tickets were listed. But it was the Clippers and the Jazz a few years ago. And Baron Davis uh, happened to be sitting right in front of us and we caught him uh, filming us. And so I'm like, uh, dude, Baron Davis is putting us on his Instagram right now or something. And then Jimmy thanked him for beating, because remember he was with the Warriors when they beat the Mavericks as the eight seed. 
And Jimmy's like, hey, man, I just want to say thank you for beating the Mavericks when they were the one seed because it made our path a lot easier to the Western Conference Finals. And that is the one year the Jazz made it to the Western Conference Finals since Stockton and Malone. So. Yeah, that was through Baron Davis's team was the easier path. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. Really funny. In fact, I'll try and I think I've got the video of that. I'm going to put that up on the, on the screen here. <laughs> Okay, so we, we talked earlier, um, be before bringing you on, just on the show here, we talked about there's kind of this rivalry between the 76ers and the Jazz because of Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell and, the, you know, Ben Simmons' fake rookie year and all that. Now it's Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid both against Rudy Gobert. Um, Rudy, of course, is competing for Defensive Player of the Year. He had nine blocks again last night. He's been going off ever since the NBA has announced. They kind of announced their ladder, and they've got Ben Simmons as, like, the leader for Defensive Player of the Year. Last, uh, last night, Ben Simmons said that, you know, Rudy doesn't defend one through five. He defends only fives and then maybe really big fours, whereas he, Ben Simmons, can defend one through five. And then Rudy responded with exactly what you said, which is, I'm a disruptor. You know, it's about the impact. So what? who do you think is – a more valuable defender, someone like a Ben Simmons who can defend one through five. And it's kind of a, you know, nice, nice little weapon there. Or someone like Rudy, who maybe only defends big guys, but he can disrupt the whole game. When you look at how much he changes the shot production and like the actual, like the, 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 more in-depth stats that Rudy creates it's not even close it's just yeah. people are just bored of Rudy winning it every year it's like yeah. they're just trying to make it interesting and that's what they're doing it's like god bless them but it's not because <laughs> Ben Simmons is a better defender than Rudy yeah thank you okay that's that, I I completely agree so okay so you uh you have been to more sporting events than probably anybody I know you've you've had season tickets to the Jazz you've been to NBA finals you've been to World Series you've been how many Super Bowls and World Series have you been to I've been to two Super Bowls. I've been to one NBA Finals. I went to the Spurs Heat World uh, NBA Finals. I've been to, oh gosh, a number of World Series games. When my favorite team, the Cleveland Indians, played the Cubs, I went to six of the seven games, sat front row on all those games or second row. Wow. Um, by the way, can I just throw this out there real quick? Like yeah. Wrigley Field is known as the friendly confines and all this, like greatest place <laughs> in the world. No, yeah. they just never mattered to them before. Okay, I went to game three with this girl I was with and uh, we're sitting second row. By the way, we were the only Indians fans in the entire lower section because they hadn't been to the World Series since the 1930s and the tickets were outrageous. <laughs> and we walk in and immediately upon walking in, this fan goes, hey, Cleveland fan, from all of Wrigley Field, let me just say to you, F off. And instead of like, <laughs> welcome to Wrigley or something. And I was like, oh, and I just yell back. I'm like, oh, we're not so friendly confines anymore. When now that it actually matters, we just hadn't seen a game matter here for 75 years. And uh, anyways, that was one of the funnest nights of my life. Josh Tallman, like our worst player, pitched a shutout. We won one nothing, And uh, I had to literally go on top of the dugout after the game because I thought they were going to jump us. Yeah, how'd the girl handle it? Oh, she loved it. She thought it was the time of her life. Well, we were just, I mean, we were just, every time that we would get another out, I was just, well, it was so funny because Josh Tallman, again, he was like the worst pitcher i think the next year's era was over 10 like but he just that week that game his dad was dying of like cancer or something he was there in a wheelchair and the dude just seriously had a moment from heaven where he just was like touched and it was like angels in the outfield style he just threw this shutout and every time we would score or every time we'd get another out i just yell out how many outs we had left to go and uh anyway i went to game four we won again and i was like oh my gosh we're gonna win the world series 
And, uh, but I couldn't go to game five. I promised my mom I'd be home for a family party, but game six, I'm back out in Cleveland and I dressed up like Bartman, you know, I thought it'd be oh, funny yeah. because it was game six, like Bartman shows up and, uh, just real quick, I, t- tell everybody what that, just for those that maybe don't know who that is. Yeah. 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 Back in, uh, gosh, what was it? 2002, I think, or 2003, the Cubs were about to go to the world series. It was game six of the NLCS against Florida 2003. It was. And uh, they were up by a few runs in the eighth. And then all of a sudden, this dude, Steve Bartman, leans over and a fan, ta- yeah. a fan takes yeah. a ball from Moises. Moises, Alou, by the way, like loses his like loses it on this fan instead of just having some composure. And anyway, the Cubs end up disrupting, get beat by like seven runs, lose the next game, don't go to the World Series. So they had this curse of Steve Bartman to go with the goat and everything else. So I was like, oh, this will be funny. I'm going to dress up like Bartman. But jokes on me, like our outfielder, green, Tyler. green turtleneck, headphones oh, on, right? Yeah, yeah, it was like a spitting image. I put, <laughs> I, I spent a month finding this outfit. And if uh, you have a picture, send it to me. I'm gonna put. I it do, on. and okay. I will send it to you. But I, uh, <laughs> the joke was on me, man, because we got destroyed. Our outfielder Tyler Naquin dropped a routine fly ball, and I was really sad. Like, so now we're tied, right? It was three to three. The Cubs had won Game Five. And I didn't want to be there if we lost. And so my buddy Tyler, who'd come out with me, he's actually a Cubs fan. I'm like, I don't want to watch a game with him. So we go through airport security. I just booked my flight for the one day. I thought we were going to win. And uh, I'm literally, it's four in the morning, Sean. And I'm sitting there in the airport. We're about an hour before our plane's going to take off. And I'm like, what am I doing? Well, it's game seven today. I'm here. I'm in Cleveland. I'm like, I got to go to this game. And so I'd already bought, I was literally through security. I was like, Tyler, I'm going back. I'm going to the game. He's like, you are? I said, yeah. He's like, all right, see you later. So I go back. I call this girl like five in the morning that I've been kind of dating a little bit. And I was like, hey, get out to Cleveland. Just get out here. I got his tickets. So she flies out. We go to the game. And I'll never forget, like, again, it just like Corey Kluber was pitching and he hadn't, he'd given up one run the entire playoffs. And the first batter hits a home run. I'm just like so pissed. And I remember like it showed me on the TV and I just looked so uh, angry. I've got the photo of it or whatever. And <laughs> send me all go- the photos you have. I will. Send this okay. We end up falling behind six to two and I'm devastated. The Cubs fans are taking photos. They're all flooding the like lower sections of Cleveland stadium. And uh, all of a sudden we get a pass ball and we score two runs. So it's six, four, we get to the eighth inning though. And they got Arnoldus Chapman. The guy hasn't been touched in a month and freaking Raja Davis dude hits up a home run. And I will say I've never lost composure like that in my life. I'm just yelling. And I got this video for you too, but I'm just yelling and I'm hugging random strangers. We're tied at six. I'm like, Oh my gosh, like the game was over. You had to understand like the feeling in that stadium, it was over. And this Raja Davis had never hit a home run off a guy throwing 97 plus a left-hander. And he, he hits this home run. He just kind of boom over the fence. And, uh, Oh, I was on the front row. We had a rain delay, you might remember, kind of killed the mojo. The Cubs came back out, scored a run or two and beat us. Actually, they actually scored two runs because the Indians, a lot of people don't know this, they came back and scored a run. Uh, we After the Cubs got two, we got one back. We had a runner on second, but somehow our worst player, like I swear I would have felt better with me at the plate than this guy, happens to get up there in the last out and they end up winning the game, but... It was, uh, that's the thing about sports, man, is I've been to like 20 road trips where my team lost and they know how to ruin a vacation real quick, but you kind of got to enjoy, <laughs> you kind of got to enjoy the whole process because your team most likely is going to lose. And it makes it that much more sweet when they do win. You know, I was there in when new England came back against Atlanta and my buddy, uh, had, you know, had field passes for me, uh, uh, family passes to be on the field and Kyle Van Noyen. So got to experience that. And so with sports, so you got to take the good with the bad and, 
it's uh it's just one of those things that you know as you get older you kind of you fall in love more with the experience as opposed to the outcome because otherwise you you get left devastated more often than not yeah and uh if you don't mind me asking i actually know the answer to this question kind of but how much did you spend on those world series tickets for that? oh it was easy 40 grand dude on the world <laughs> series i didn't even care it was the best week of my life uh, now that Here's is the, dedication well here's the thing is like I literally said to myself, I'm like, am I going to care about this money someday? Like, you know, am I going to have like a little bit more money in investments or another rental property? Who cares? Like I got to go and experience it. It's not like Cleveland's going to make the world series again. And it showed, you know, the next year yeah. we were the favorites going into the world series, going into the playoffs. We'd won 22 games in a row and Indians lost the first round against the Yankees. It's not, you just yeah. don't get that opportunity very often. And so I was just so grateful that I went and did it when I did. And, you know, and I'll be honest, like when they go back and make it again, I'll be there again. And I don't care what it costs. We're going to make that happen. So memories, baby. I love it. So, you know, in that light and you've shared a few, but what are some of your most memorable sports moments? Like it doesn't have to be something you personally were at, but just a memory that's like, I'll never forget where I was when blank happened, you know? Yeah, no, I think that's a, it's such a cool, uh, cool question. I, I was at the Super Bowl when the uh, Steelers came back at the end and beat the Cardinals. That was pretty crazy. I was with a giant Steelers fan. Um, the, you know, the most memorable ones to was me. Is that the San Antonio Holmes it was, yep. in the corner? Yeah. yeah, it was funny because my friend, he's, you, he can be kind of petty. And uh, the Steelers were up by like 14 going, you know, like late in the, or up by like 12 late in the third quarter, fourth quarter. And uh, I was kind of like, I just said, I said, man, I kind of hope the Cardinals score here to make the game a little more interesting. Well, the Cardinals <laughs> score. Larry Fitzgerald, at, right? Long touchdown. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He looks at me with total disdain. He's just looking at me like, you're such an idiot. Well, then the Cardinals <laughs> score again and they take the lead with like three minutes left. And this buddy of mine, he starts yelling at me, dude. Like I freaking threw the interception. He's like, are you happy now? See, look what you did. Are you happy now? he's just yelling at me and I'm like, Oh, I just lost a friend over this. And I just turned back to him. I said, Ron, this is going to be the greatest moment of your sports life. They got three minutes left to mark two minutes or whatever it was to yeah. march down the field and score. And he's just furious. I I'm convinced to this day that if Ben Roethlisberger doesn't find Santillian Holmes in the end zone, I don't have a friend with that guy. <laughs> and uh, by the way, the What's that? I was gonna say that's one of the best Super Bowls ever because that was also the one where yeah. James Harrison had the fumble, re the hundred-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown right to end the first half. Yeah, ESPN ranked the top Super Bowls of all time, and the two I've been to were ranked first and third um, on their Super Bowl list of all time greatest Super Bowls. So the, I guess the Patriots coming back from twenty-eight-three, and then this one we're talking and about. And then that one, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so I've had some pretty good luck with that. Um, but no, that was that was so funny, man. He was so mad. It was just so funny. I, uh, but. Well, that Super Bowl, the crappy part about that one was it was in the middle of the, um, the downturn, the recession, and I was in real estate. I mean, I was getting hammered. I had, to my name, Sean, I had $3,000. And I told him at the beginning of the season, I told him, I said, hey, if the, if the Steelers make the Super Bowl, I'll go with you. Just kind of being a good friend. He's a diehard Steelers fan. And I remember they were playing the Ravens in the AFC Championship. I've got no money. I'm like praying. And I'm watching it with him, pretending to be cheering for the Steelers. But inside, I'm begging for the Ravens to make something happen. I'm like, please. <laughs> I cannot afford this trip and the Steelers win. And he's so excited. And I remember we booked our flights were like 600 bucks to Tampa. And I had like $2,400 for my ticket. And that's not much for a Super Bowl ticket. If any other year minus the recession, there's no way I'd have been able to get in. But I told him, I said, we don't have money for the rental car or for the hotel. So what we did is we ended up, this is so bad, but we rented a van 
And we went and we bought sleeping bags and pillows from Walmart and we returned them the next day because we couldn't afford a hotel room. And, uh, and I told him that here's the worst part is I told him, I said, look, if we're going to do this, then, uh, uh, I want to sleep in a van. I want to park it down by a river because I'm a huge Chris Farley fan. And so yeah. we parked by this pretty sketchy part of town, it turns out. And Ron, this is the other part, it's terrible, is he had taken a wheelchair from the airport because he said, Jimmy, if we can't get good seats, I'll just be in a wheelchair and they'll make us be in the wheelchair section to get the best <laughs> tickets. I'm like, dude, this is horrible. This is the worst karma I've ever experienced. So he steals a wheelchair from the airport. So, but the problem is, is we don't have room in the van to sleep and room for the wheelchair. So we like hide the wheelchair in some bushes, right? Um, <laughs> during the night while we're sleeping and we wake up the next morning and the wheelchair is gone. Somebody had stolen it. My first thought was what oh, kind of sicko God. steals a wheelchair? <laughs> And then I was like, oh, shit, we stole a wheelchair. <laughs> Thankfully, we still got to, into the stadium. Somehow, Ron found some tickets for like 2000 bucks. Anyway, a lower bowl even of all that. But oh, my goodness. Good times at the Super Bowl. <laughs> I've forgotten the wheelchair part of that story. That's, yeah, me too. That's so good. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so top three let's let's try and narrow it down top three most memorable sport what about one from your childhood where you weren't at the game just something you like remember like, oh, oh yeah man. i really remember the the one thing that sticks out to me was the kurt gibson home run my brother jd was a giant dodgers fan it's my first real sports memory that is very vivid i remember what hat he was wearing it was like this like a hat that like a, a cat he would wear <laughs> like a golf caddy or something yeah. anyway and uh but I remember him running around the house when Kurt Gibson hit the home run. That's probably my first memory where I was like, wow, like this is something special going on. Um, and then, uh, so I'd say that was probably one of my first great sports memories. Um, when BYU played Miami and beat them, I remember that very vividly uh, as a BYU fan. I think I was probably 10 years old and we were playing Monopoly at my house and watching the game. I remember that very well. It was just like crazy. They were ranked number one. We had no business beating them, but um and then um and keep then, waiting you know, for a, a jimmer moment but no no oh jimmer God. moments my favorite jimmer moment actually is probably not the same as every well san diego state game was pretty fun on the road because uh i bought front row tickets and you gotta uh, send me that you got i know you got on the court after the game too well, so, you gotta send me so that. here's the thing is like we just beat them <laughs> in utah and like we all rushed the floor and i didn't even think twice about i'm on the front row and this lady comes up she goes you need to get in your seats and I'm like, well, these are my seats. I'd spent $900 a ticket, me and my brother. And at that time, again, I was dead broke. Like, by the way, like the, the, the greatness of the sports memories that I have is because I didn't have the money to go do this stuff when I was doing it. Like yeah. they had no business paying that money, but I mean, for the record, I, Jimmy is very not broke now. So he's no, come a long way. I would turn to, I would turn to my, I remember I turned to my brother and I'm like, dude, we got to go to this game. Like there's not going to be another Jimmer. We're not going to have this experience again. And we won't like we haven't, it no. might be 30 years, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, uh, and so we go to the game front row and the lady's trying to kick us out of our seats. And I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. These are my seats. So the whole game, we're the only BOE fans in the lower bowl. Again, it's at San Diego State. No BOE fan wants to go in that environment. And we win, we destroyed them, shot them out of the gym, won by like 10 or 12. I run on the court and there's a picture that I can send you. I'm walking through the line with the players and I'm just <laughs> high-fiving them all. Like I'm on the damn team and CBS is like showing it. And so there's a picture of me, like all my friends are texting me like, what the hell's Jimmy doing in the line? <laughs> and it was so funny. So right after that, all of a sudden I get tackled by like five security guards from behind. I have no idea what's going on. Cause I didn't even think twice. That I can't just go on the court. Never yeah. crossed my mind. <laughs> and so they're arresting us. And I remember I'd known Jimmer and Jackson Emery, a few of the players a little bit. And I remember I'm handcuffed in the back 
uh, of the locker room and they're walking past me. I just remember the look that Jackson Emery gave me, like, what the hell did you do, Rex? You know? <laughs> and uh, anyway, that was probably my favorite sports memory. But um, just that game was so much fun. But actually, the game against New Mexico in the tournament, because they had beaten us right after Brandon Davies got suspended, um, New Mexico came to Provo, just kicked our ass and really took the wind out of the team cells. It just destroyed all the momentum we had going. And it was kind of like, oh, we're not the same team anymore. So when we came out in the tournament, I think Jimmer dropped like 50 plus on him. And it was just the funnest game. I was on the front row with you and we were just yep. having a ball. And that's probably my favorite Jimmer he, moment. He, he had game. 50 points with one free throw that day. One no, free it was throw. Just, it was just stupid. It was such a fun game. It gives me goosebumps to think about it. But yeah. it's fun because me and Jimmer became really close friends. He's actually buys all of his real estate through us now. And so spending awesome. that money to get on the court, that $900 has probably brought me several, several times that in commissions working with Jimmer. And so it's just kind of fun how life happens, I guess. That's cool. So sticking on the BYU topic, and we'll kind of wrap up with this a little bit. Uh, Zach Wilson's projected to go top two, three, you know, picks here in the NFL draft. I know you're a big BYU fan. Um, obviously, BYU had a great year this year. It was kind of a weird year, though, because their schedule was all sorts of screwed up and they didn't have exactly the toughest competition. But what do you think about Zach Wilson? I feel like picking a quarterback is like picking a stock. You just kind of like, you know, no, you're, no, you're no, an investor. No. It, I mean, it's difficult. So let's hear it. I'm going to be honest. I think Zach Wilson, from a sheer, like, ability standpoint is the best quarterback BOU's ever had. I know that's not a popular take because Steve Young and Ty Detmer and all these things. Detmer, yeah. Go back and watch those games. Go Ty Detmer threw so many interceptions. I love the guy. We've gone and pheasant hunting He wasn't nearly as good as Zach. Well, Zach was so good. He was so spotted. The way he can move in the pocket, the way he throws the ball, and it plays to the NFL game. I think Zach is going to be one of the top five quarterbacks in the NFL within a year and a half, two years. I really think he's that good. I think it's a mistake if they don't take him number one. And uh, you watch Zach is good. He just has exactly what you want. He's got the size. He's got the arm strength. He's got the, um, the accuracy. I think he's amazing. And I think he's pretty mobile. We, we will look back and it's just kind of sad that this weird year was so weird and that we didn't get to really experience Zach as like a BYU great because he's leaving early and we got this weird, you know, pandemic year, but Zach is from a sheer ability standpoint. I think he's as good as we've ever had at BYU. And I think that time will prove him accurate on that. You think top five in the in the league? We're talking Patrick Mahomes. We're yeah, talking I think Russell right Wilson. There. I think he's somewhere between Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes in two years. Yeah. Wow, that is some high high praise. So we'll be watching that. Yeah, I um, haven't said that to anybody yet, but I think he's that good, dude. I watch his balls. I'm just like, how did he just put it right there? Every day? I mean, he knows how to. He is like, extremely accurate. You watch a quarterback that gets it, like they, his receivers. He knows where to throw it, so his receivers come back to him. He knows how to throw it to the right place, and he's just accurate. You know, he makes good choices and. Uh, anyway, I just, I think he's amazing. Yeah, I think he's great. Okay. Last thing. And then we will truly be done. This is just getting back to the jazz. I know you're a betting man. I know you do sports betting quite a bit and you've had some good luck with it. I want you to really tell us if you would put your money on the jazz to make the NBA finals this year. What are my odds? I don't know what the odds are. <laughs> uh, here's the problem with that. I mean, there's three rounds they've got to get through, right. And just to get to the finals, and I think each one's probably a coin flip. And so if it's eight to one or better odds, then yeah, I'll take them because that's, you know, the odds of winning those. But I, I mean, there's so many good teams in the West. I mean, if you're playing the Mavericks, they'll, I mean, they'll get through out. the first round, right? I mean, they're not going to have trouble with the first round because they'll probably end as the one or two seed. It looks like it played golden state, baby. I mean, I don't know. You, just, you yeah. never know what could happen in a series like that. I, I would take the jazz, but Dallas, it's not like yeah. some shoe in Dallas. Yeah. Like Luca, you know, um, I give the jazz like eight to one or 10 to one to make the NBA finals. How's that? Okay. That's fair. 
Yeah. Okay. Well, Jimmy, love you, buddy. Thanks for having us. Check him out. Mr. Jimmy Rex on Instagram, the Jimmy Rex show on all your podcasting platforms and YouTube. Jimmy, thanks for being here. Hey, love you, buddy. Appreciate you. All right. That is Jimmy Rex. Very, very entertaining guy. Um, Loved having him on. Thanks again, Jimmy. So want to end the show with, with two things. One, Major League Baseball announced uh, yesterday their opening night capacities at stadiums. Uh, so opening night for all the teams is within the next week or two. And most of the, all the teams are going to have fans at the games. All of them will have fans at the games. There will not be any Major League Baseball teams playing without fans, which I absolutely love. Thank you. Most of the teams will be at 20% capacity. The highest will be the Rangers. They're still sticking strong at 100% capacity. 41,000 plus will be there um, for their opening day. The lowest was the Nationals and the Red Sox at 12%, but stoked about Major League Baseball doing this. Hopefully we see more and more of that uh, trend continue with you know NBA and uh, you know NFL next year and things like that. So, uh, And speaking of the NFL, Deshaun Watson now has 13 lawsuits filed against him 13 yes you heard me correctly deshaun watson has 13 lawsuits filed against him for sexual misconduct from 13 different women with nine more coming nine more pending that will be 22 women claiming that he you know engaged in unwanted sexual activity of some sort with them the vast majority of these are masseuses the vast majority of them he contacted via instagram this is a guy that is filthy filthy rich that has access to fantastic training facilities. He could hire a full-time masseuse, no problem, but he is choosing to reach out to women allegedly on Instagram uh, to get massages. Very, very suspicious. I've said where there's smoke, there's fire. There is a raging inferno here somewhere. Um, it's either with Deshaun Watson and his shadiness uh, and misconduct that's going to end badly for him, or it's with the money-hungry uh, attorney and fame-seeking attorney or women or whatever it is. I'm not going to accuse either one of anything innocent until proven guilty, but this does not look good for Deshaun Watson. It's it's looking more and more like, dude, you've got some behavioral issues that need to change. Um, crazy, crazy stuff. One of them is recent as March 5th, which is just a couple weeks ago. And some of them are pretty gnarly. Some of them are, you know, you know, and I've heard some people on TV talking like, oh, I just made him feel uncomfortable let's not downplay it. You know, some of them are, yeah, you just made them uncomfortable and you know, they could be viewed as something that could go either way. But some of them, if true, are pretty, pretty intense, like pretty gnarly, like far, far worse than just making somebody feel uncomfortable. Um, and so now there's talk of the, the Texans potentially cutting him, like just moving on kind of like a Ray Rice thing with the Ravens where it's like, we don't want to be associated with you. Um, there's been no criminal charges pressed, zero criminal charges. And so I'm just like, you know, getting into conspiracy theory mode. What if, what if Deshaun Watson, what if this is all a hoax? Deshaun Watson set this all up to get the Texans to cut him. And then he's this unrestricted free agent. The charges all get dropped and he goes to whatever team he wants. That would be something else. <laughs> um, that Now that would just be a huge, that's a huge conspiracy theory just for fun here. But that would be something else because there is talks of the Texans potentially just letting him go. Um, so, yeah, a lot of craziness with Deshaun Watson. Um, that's all the time we have for today, guys. There's so much more I wanted to talk about, but we've already kind of gone long. And I'll pick up some of this stuff uh, another day. But Rudy Gobert, Defensive Player of the Year. Ben Simmons, sorry, buddy. If you get it, it's going to be fake just like your Rookie of the Year. That's all the time I have for today. I am out. Peace. We got the Thanks for hanging with Simply the Best Sports Take. 
Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast and check out stbsportstake.com. Simply the best in sports. Cause we are